3: Welcome to the HIV podcast. Each week we focus on a person, historical event or pop culture moment linked to HIV and explore the story of what actually happened. I'm Sarah
2: and I'm Jess and between us we've been working in the field of HIV for 40 years. Our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated.
3: Welcome to the HIV podcast.
2: Finally Sarah and I have just wrestled for about 15 minutes, not literally, we didn't literally wrestle, we're not together. That would be weird. Um, But we just wrestled over how to make the other person a host.
3: Oh, I know. And Sean would have been so proud of us because we'd had the conversation beforehand about who was going to start and we were all organised and then we realised that we couldn't record it. Yeah, I jinxed
2: it. I literally jinxed it by saying, Sarah, right, we're actually going to discuss today. Like we say we'll do every week, we'll actually discuss who's going to start. And then it It wasn't her idea. It
3: wasn't her idea, Sean. It was mine. (laughs)
2: Lies lies um my so always makes me put the microphone closer and closer to my face because I cut out a lot but I feel like when I listen back to it I do a lot of impromptu shouting
3: well yes that's just how I'm used to it that's how you speak all the time I know but that's what I'm saying you've become
2: immune to the the shout fest
3: gosh I have I don't notice it anymore lucky maybe if we're in like a very enclosed space (laughs) And also because on here I have a volume button, don't I? So I just turn you down. When I notice it is it when I'm having to edit the podcast, you're
2: quieter than me and your sound sounds lovely. And then mine, like right now, I'm sort of trying to concentrate on not being too loud. Then all of a sudden I'll get carried away and I won't do anything loud, but I'll be like (laughs) down the microphone and it's awful.
3: And there we go. (laughs) Oh, anyway, yes, happy new year. You and R2 D two. Or was it C3PO? No, is it C three PA? No, it's R2 D two, is it it's yes. a little round one R2D two. It does look like that, doesn't it?
2: I want yeah. headphones next, like 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 you were saying, like we're proper DJs. I want a full space suit. <laughs> well you keep dreaming. <laughs> Maybe next <laughs> Christmas, you know?
3: <laughs> As I'd like. And why not? Well, why not indeed? Um have you got any New Year's resolutions you want to share with us? Right. Oh, don't get me on my soapbox about New Year's Resolution. Oh, I see one more person on social media. They fall into two camps. Look what you've started. This is your own fault. They fall into two camps, aren't they? Those saying, yay, New Year, New Year, improve your life. And those saying, don't feel pressurized to do anything because you're perfect just the way you are. And then a whole list of crap to go with it. Either way, it's too much pressure. Everybody needs to stop I know dictating how we feel. That's It's just enough.
2: A lot. And I I do have to confess that I do know that's how you feel. And I feel like I'm like, like, you know, like on a fishing expedition where you hook, (laughs) it's just like, like I'm quite easy to wind up. I know that asking you about your new year's resolution sends you into, you know, exploded.
3: Why can't we all just be happy with who we are? I'll never stick to
2: them. But I, do you know what I quite like? I quite like the feeling of a new year for that feeling of like newness. You know, like a Monday. I weirdly quite like a Monday because I feel like, oh, everything's fresh and lovely, and this week could hold anything I want. And, oh, I'm going to try to do all these things that I'll never do. But in the Mondayness, I have all of this, like, hope. And I feel
3: hmm. like New Year's Day is a massively exaggerated Monday. Oh, okay. See, I don't mind. I'm not against New Year or anybody wanting – if you want to improve yourself. You're against right, fun, Sarah. For it.
2: Sarah's against fun. That's what she's saying, no. basically.
3: I just think that for every person that's there going, I'm going to lose a million pounds in weight and I'm going to volunteer for every organisation, there's somebody who's going, I can't do any of that because I've just got enough on my plate right now. And that's fine. As long as you're happy with who you are, then, you know, let's stop all this nonsense. It's like people who, see what you've started, Jess. It's like people (laughs) who put up the Christmas dinner on social media or Santa's bean and a ginormous pile of presents and it's like just stop it nobody cares so don't do it oh you see this is how I'm gonna go on this new year just grumpy oh, don't worry I'm feeling hopefully optimistic
2: uh, what am I feeling I don't know ostromistic apparently <laughs> <laughs> optimistic
3: for both of us I'm optimistic I just think we, everybody should just live by their own rules and if you're happy with the way you are great if you want to improve yourself great don't don't shout about it all over social media. Because you'll should. make other people feel awful. Big pile of presents that you've posted with, ah, oh, Santa's been, and they'll feel dreadful because they haven't got all the presents. And I just think we need, that's my new year resolution. I'm spreading kindness. Let's all be thoughtful for each other's feelings.
2: I love how you ended that. That's not what I thought that was going to go. You sounded <laughs> so angry. And then you were like, let's finish it by spreading kindness. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, are you sure? What's make you feel like that? Or if accounts ever make me feel like that, I just don't follow them. Because I always just think, even if someone's not doing anything bad, if it's making me feel a certain way, do you know what I mean? Then I'm like, oh, this isn't good for me. So I'll unfollow that. And it's just social media. It's not the real world. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you're falling out with someone because of that. It's just share things because you want to share little facets of your life. Well, I mean, I don't know why I'm telling anyone what to do. do what you want to do. But I just think oh, I'm going to unfollow those accounts
3: if they make me not feel good. It's the audacity of people thinking that I'm going to care what they think whether it's telling me to be a brand new version of myself or whether it's telling me that it's okay not to do that I know it's okay I just find it very patronizing I do have sort of a new year's resolution that I thought of today no well that's our friendship ended go on well I hope you like it it's to do the podcast oh okay a a business new year's resolution
2: yes better Just to try, and I'm not going to say stop saying, because that's silly, just to say, because I won't be able to, I don't know why I did it in the first place. But I really noticed where I had where I was um putting together the end of year special, which I loved. Obviously, I had to listen to quite a few previous episodes. Oh, and I it's I noticed so much that I constantly say, and I just have to say. I say that all. Why do I say that? Uh, So I have no idea why I put this preceder on it or precursor. I don't know which one is correct, but whatever. I don't know why I do that. And I just have to say, just say it, Jess. You don't need to. And why am I talking about myself in the third person now? Oh, this is going wrong. This is going really wrong. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Can we? From the topic that I brought up. I also wanted to mention, I don't know if you saw over Christmas, the most amazing Christmas gift tag that I've ever seen in my entire life. Greasy penis one. Whoever wrote that is a legend. Well, it was Charlotte's husband. She's one of our lovely listeners. So I put on social media that people might have thought that it was a present that you or I had sent each other.
3: But no, it wasn't us. No, it certainly wasn't. My present hasn't turned up yet. These postal strikes are just a nightmare, aren't they?
2: So bad, isn't it? The multicolored um, bolero that I was going to get you instead <laughs> of robes—that <laughs> you still We're waiting? Not here. <laughs> no.
3: Excellent. Anything else to tell us um, from my personal life, or to do with the podcast? Uh, to do with the podcast? No, oh, well, no. I've just had a massive rant about how no one's interested in anyone's personal life. I know. I'm, I'm always interested in your personal life, but you know, we don't have to chat about that now. No, I've got that. That is all I have today. Excellent. Well, you know what today is: first podcast of the new year, mini series, all about HIV and blackmail. I'm very excited,
2: and I was going to ask you who your favourite blackmailer was in history because I started thinking about this today. Do you know who popped straight into my head? No, the man with the white hair from the bodyguard.
3: Bodyguard, the film that I've not seen. Sorry, what? You've never watched Whitney Houston in the Bodyguard? Oh no, that's just not
2: for me, Sarah. It's such a classic. I, oh, I'm sort of upset. I feel like as punishment, I'm going to come to your house and make you watch it with me, because that is a punishment for you. I know that is that wouldn't be a nice that wouldn't be a nice afternoon. Or or at the centre next Tuesday, I'm going to pretend we're having a meeting. Gather everyone. Shut the door and hold you in there and we watch it
3: oh my god okay great so now i'm not seeing it so i don't know i don't have a favorite black man who even thinks of that as a concept nobody goes around thinking who's my favorite black man it's like thinking who's my favorite murderer you've probably got a favorite because you love all that sort of my, stuff. yeah but mine wouldn't be a real
2: one mine again i straight away in into the head it's hannibal lecter of course it is Oh uh, yeah that's
3: that's yes okay fair enough. Wow, I love that we've agreed on that. I'm really impressed. Yeah, no, that's fairly obvious. I don't have those kind of things. I'm more kind of thinking. I wonder where Bridget Jane's got her enormous pants from. That kind of thing. Those things don't pop into my head, Sarah. Oh, they pop into mine. Your head sounds like a lovely place to be in. What just filled with enormous
2: pants? <laughs> no, chocolate buttons and like rainbows and Big Pants, and Bridget Jones, and Ooh. mine is filled with, I mean, The Bodyguard is a good film, but, you know, Blackmailers, and I would describe that Blackmailer, but you don't know who it is, so it won't matter, no. and Hannibal Lecter, oh, I love those films. I used to always watch Silence of the Lambs. Um, When I met Ben, he thought I was quite strange, because to go to sleep at night, I always like to watch or have on the same thing, and so um, I would always watch Silence of the Lambs to go to sleep to, and he would be there like, this is awful. And whenever somebody doesn't understand the reference, it puts the
3: lotion in the basket. I get so upset. I say it to people all the time. All right then, I'm a little weirdo. We <laughs> get back to the podcast. Yes, HIV. Let's come back to HIV. I'm with you. HIV and blackmail. So we said, I think we said at the end of last year, this whole mini-series has been inspired by one of our lovely listeners, William Hampson. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That sounds weird if you're listening to this. It's because I've tried four times to say that name. And for some reason, I just can't. Anyway, lovely Will. We call him Will. I don't know if he prefers to go by William or Will, but to us, it'll just be Will. He wrote a book called The Lost Boys of Soho. I have it here. Let's see. Beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. I love that cover. Very nicely designed. It's a really good book. And originally, we were going to feature him on our podcast. But we realised that if we did that, we would be divulging all the contents of the book. And what we'd rather you did was buy it because it's brilliant. You can get it on Amazon, but we'll put all the links so you can all go and buy it. It It's a really good read.
2: As Sarah said, we'll put um, links to Will's social media as well. He also writes a really great blog. So just go and check out his website, go and follow him, go and check out his social media. But exactly as Sarah said, we were initially going to feature Will, but yeah, like she, it, by doing that, we would be basically going through the entirety of the book, ruining it for everyone. And we want you to read it and enjoy it as much as we've enjoyed it. So please yeah. do go and check out The Lost
3: Boys of Soho by the lovely William Hampson. Managed to say that, Sarah. Well done. I knew you should have plugged the book, not me. I'm just useless at that sort of thing. There's no future for me on a shopping channel. Definitely not. Oh, no. Absolutely not. Okay, so blackmail. We're going to look at all things to do with blackmail. We're going to start with kind of what it is in relation to HIV. So like with the crime series, when we looked at intentional and reckless transmission um, and what that actually means, that's what we're going to start with this time. So nobody will be in any doubt about what constitutes blackmail or what to do if you're being blackmailed about your status. Oh, right. Okay, so are you ready? I am ready. What to do if someone shares your HIV status without your consent? So, we're going to look at whether that's in a personal capacity or a professional capacity. So, personally, that would be if you've told a new partner or a friend or family member that you're positive, and then they tell someone else, despite you telling them you've told them in confidence. Okay. Now, in terms of the law, to be honest, there's not much you can do if someone breaks your trust like that because have they really broken the law unless they're using that information for personal gain or in an exploitative manner so you know I'm not going to tell anyone if you pay me a thousand pounds that kind of thing or if you let me stay rent free in your home then um, I'll keep it to myself that's that's not okay that's blackmail or, or harassment then you can go to the police but if you tell someone something any sort of secret and they just tell everybody else then you know, you can't, they're not breaking the law for doing that. They've just abused your trust, which is awful. Mm. But legally, you're kind of stuck as to what you can do with it. That sucks when you're in a situation like that. And I think it's why so many people keep their status to themselves, isn't it? Law hasn't kept pace yeah. with modern life in lots of areas, not just HIV. And so when you're trying to determine whether someone's broken the law around someone's HIV status, it's actually quite hard to do and you need kind of firm evidence and I think we'll talk about that a little bit later is you know what do you do if someone has broken your confidence then talk about uh, in a professional capacity because that is the easier of the two to address and by professional we mean in at work or health prof- professionals for example because the law is so much clearer around all of that so everyone in the UK is entitled to legal protection for confidential information for anything, not just for HIV. And if you share something with someone in a professional capacity, there's a common law duty to ensure that the information is kept confidential and it's not shared with others. So if you go to your GP, for example, with a health issue, you're going to expect him not to then post about it on your local Facebook community page, for example, or tell other people that aren't health professionals involved in making you feel better
2: so if your gp was say very close with your family because we've heard that i've heard that before where people have said i don't want to disclose my status to my gp
3: because they're close to my family but obviously that would be such a breach it massive do you remember a few years ago we had a service user who was referred for physio for his knee and the doctor told the physio about his hiv status and I mean that it's not reasonable. It's irrelevant, you know. His the problems with his knee weren't caused by his HIV status, and the physio had no reason to know that. That's a clear breach. In fact, you know that because you sorted it all out for him. I did support that
2: that service user. I did, and it's shocking. It's so shocking. The most irrelevant information in the world. <laughs> Just like what? Why is this on there? It's almost like being injured my knee playing. I don't know football. Let's say I've injured my knee playing football. And then they're like, so injured, knee playing football. Any other information? Diabetes. What would that have to do with anything? That would have nothing to do with anything. It's nobody's business. Or it's shocking, but it happens more than I would like it to happen. We hear too many tales of breaches
3: of this in the workplace, especially in the workplace, don't we? Yes, we do. Yes, and I'm glad you raised that because with employers, if you tell your company your HIV status, you expect them to keep this information confidential. And we know from service users, this has been a gray area in the past. The reason you want them to keep it confidential is for the same reasons that you want them to keep your pay scale confidential or the details of your last appraisal. You wouldn't expect them to blast that all over the company portal. So why would you expect them to divulge anything about your health? And yet companies do. And we've both been involved in cases where that's happened and it's not okay. And you are protected. There are things you can do. But one of the things that I find sad, I suppose, is that the cases that I've dealt with where service users have had their confidentiality breached at work, they are almost expected it to happen. And they will be like, oh, well, I suppose everyone should know, really. And it's like, no, no, they don't need to. And it's a place you should feel safe. Our workplaces, we should feel safe in them. And we should
2: feel safe disclosing this sort of information, things about our health, that maybe we need to disclose we've had some time off due to it. Yeah, it's, so, oh, it's just, it's such a breach of trust. Like, I would feel so uncomfortable in a workplace like that. And I also think that some of the places we've dealt with have been quite combative,
3: almost blaming that person. Mm, I know. And that's the other thing. Again, the cases that I've dealt with it was very much put on that service user to say, well, it's your fault, isn't it? You know, we didn't know what to do in this situation. So, or they've been said, well, we thought you were a risk. And then the service user goes, mm, well, maybe I am a risk. And it's like, no, you're not. But it's hard, so hard to be strong and to stand up to that kind of resistance, isn't it?
2: And because in other cases, we're just going to sit here listing <laughs> all, the, all the awful <laughs> examples we've seen. No, we won't. But... In other cases, what really upsets me is where suddenly somebody will, their confidentiality around their HIV status has been breached at work. They've brought this up in a complaint fashion. Instead of it being dealt with in that way, what we've seen quite a bit is is the company, whoever they work with, has then started to say, but you're difficult, aren't you? And there are issues with your work. And I think you've Mm. been the one that's a problem. And suddenly there was nothing before But all of a sudden, and it's really hard, like you're saying, to watch someone go through, A, their trust being breached so massively. But then also it's just a barrage of let's just tear them down because, you know, you're difficult, aren't you? And And you would walk away, wouldn't you? As that person, that employee, you might just start going, oh, God, this is maybe I am like that. And maybe this is. It's like, no, like really hard to deal with that stuff alone, which is why always, please, if you're going through that, go and access support from a local support charity like us.
3: Oh, definitely. Absolutely. And there are, I mean, there are protections in place. Data Protection Act, you know that act very well. (laughs) Yes, I do. GDPR, the bane of my life. So Data Protection Act is all about, as it says, protecting your data. So if you uh, work for an organisation and you collect data about people, you can only keep it for as long as is necessary. It's got to be stored securely. You've got to have appropriate measures in place. Jess organized all our GDPR uh, requirements because, you know, we keep details of service users. Uh, we keep details of people that we've tested. We keep those details to a bare minimum because we don't want anyone to be identified. And we don't keep that information any longer than than we need to. And we're actually, we're very mindful of that, aren't we? Because because of all the confidentiality around HIV. OK, so you've got the Data Protection Act. That protect- all your confidential information. You've got the Human Rights Act that allows you to take action against public authorities that have interfered with your human rights. So, um, organisations like local authorities, police, healthcare bodies, and central government. There's an act. It's called Article Eight, which covers respect for your private and family life. And under Article Eight, personal information such as your HIV status should not be disclosed without your consent. These are sort of things you can quote if anybody is ever faced with a breach.
2: I didn't know it was in the Human Rights Act.
3: Article 8 is quite wide-reaching, isn't it? It's all, well, it's just your private and family life, so you, you could interpret that in lots of ways. But, yeah, I think, you know, your right to a private life is breached, isn't it, if someone disclosed your HIV status. Absolutely. A professional body, you know, if your doctor's going around with a megaphone, that would never happen. They haven't got time. Or megaphones. Yeah, no, no funding for megaphones. <laughs> if you're being treated differently uh, because of your HIV status, you are protected by the Equality Act. So this act protects you from discrimination by employers, businesses, organisations and health and care providers. And people living with HIV are protected under this law because HIV is classed as a disability from the point of diagnosis. Sometimes people seem to think it doesn't kick in straight away, but from the day you're diagnosed, if you need your work to make reasonable adjustments. For example, you might have a few clinic appointments coming up and you need to have time off. If you've disclosed your HIV status to them and explained that that's the reason why you need the time off, they have to accommodate it. They don't always, but they should do.
2: So it is class of disability under that act, isn't it? But they're not necessarily in benefits. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I just wanted to say that because it's we know that's a tricky area where we have some service users come in and say, "Well, hang on, it's a disability, so that means I should be entitled to certain benefits." And
3: yes, I think different areas classify HIV differently. So, yes, under the Equality Act, it's classed as um, a disability. But if you're applying for uh, benefits, it's not. And that's important to remember that. Um, but yes. Okay. So what to do if you if you have a professional breach? If it's your employer, take advice from someone like ACAS. ACAS are amazing. The case I had with our service user, ACAS guided us all the way through it because big companies, any company, but especially big companies are used to trying to worm their way out of accusations and, and breaches. Um, and ACAS were having none of it. So, and I had to go with the service user to the kind of meeting he had with HR about mm. this. Um, he asked me to go, I didn't just turn up. Oh, never been to one of these. Like I you're in a, a small court and you're just at the back like the press. Oh, all smart dress and everything that day. I thought I'm going to power dress my way through this. But they were, uh, and they would go worm their way out of it. He basically disclosed his diagnosis and uh, to his manager, who then told all of the senior board Of management under the guise that, oh, they should know in case I'm not in so everybody can treat you well. And, you know, it had got down to his peers, really, who, who also had found out, you know, you know what big workplaces are like and gossip. And it was awful for him. And he had to go to meetings with HR to try and work out kind of where he was ready to leave. And I was just like, no, compensation. Anyway, it all came good for him in the end. One of the HR managers, at the meeting kind of pulled me to one side you know oh they're just awful I forget what the corporate world can be like sometimes she was like oh um our organization has worked with Comet Relief in the past and I was like oh right okay so you know we're really mindful of HIV what (laughs) how odd so odd I was just like what
2: what are you talking about I wonder if like a higher up had told us, say that, Men- mention the comic relief thing, definitely yeah. do that. That's going to help. Like, what does
3: that have to do with this? Think I was just going to go, oh, well, that's okay then. Forget all of this. Doesn't matter about him. Let's just move on. Ah, anyway, so ACAS, yes, they are fantastic. And I know it's not easy to raise a grievance or take your company on. I think as Jess said, you have an HIV support group near you, get them on board and get them to support you through this. I think that's kind of really Important if you're in Berkshire and North Hampshire, you've got us. I don't know. If that's Lucky you, Sarah and her power suits forcing her way
2: into your HR meetings. Yes,
3: <gasps> maybe. Oh, my Sarah, that is where the cloak of many colors is going to come in. That would have commanded respect in that meeting. That's what I'm saying. You could have wafted all over the place, couldn't you? Would have been brilliant. If you don't have um an HIV charity locally, then THT have a helpline that you can contact, and they're brilliant too. Um, And as we said, be prepared for the company to argue their case. They always do. It's standard. And this is the other thing we say to service users is don't expect them just to roll over. They never do. They will always deny everything you tell them, even if you've got blatant proof. That's just part of the process, unfortunately. And as we've said to our service users before, you know, you have to believe this is your diagnosis. No one's got any right to share it around on your behalf. You know, they wouldn't do this with other long-term conditions. This is what I said to our service user that I went to the meeting with. I was like, if you had arthritis or diabetes, they wouldn't think twice about sharing. They just wouldn't. It's the gossip value around HIV, sadly, and the stigma that means that they panic. Well, it's the stigma that makes it the gossip, isn't it?
2: Yeah, like it, it makes it that that interesting thing. Exactly like you're saying. Whereas you're right, you'd be like, you know. Collins, you know, got, you know, rheumatoid arthritis or osteoporosis, you'd be
3: like, what? It's none of my business, guys. Yeah. And I think there's a belief also that people think, well, if I tell them they're gonna have to note it down in my file because I'm asking them to make adjustments in my workplace. They do have to note down that they're making adjustments and why, but they don't need to mention that it's because you've got HIV. They can say we need to make adjustments for this person because of a medical condition. That's all that's needed. Can
2: you specifically ask them not to put that in? Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. That
3: is good to it's know. It's your file at the end. It's your personnel file, isn't it? You're allowed to see everything that's in that file. It's about you. And if you don't want something put in there, yeah, you can say, don't. I don't want you to mention the words HIV. Um, I want you to put a medical condition, a long-term medical condition. That's fine. That is good to know. Okay. It's like when um, with doctor surgeries, you know, if they've got like HIV on your file, you can ask for it to be coded. Yes. Social services can code things as well. I mean, everyone knows that if it's coded, there's something really interesting, interesting that it doesn't always work. But yeah, I think anything that's written about you, you have a right to say or to have input with, definitely. And
2: I think sometimes, especially when you're newly diagnosed, if you're not aware of your rights in terms of things like this, then you just think, well, they have to write that down. They have to put that down, don't they? So I'll just let them. And then it's sort of like, it's too late in a way, isn't it? It's a bit like at the GP, isn't it once you've disclosed to them, they can't redact that record. They can't take it out. So once that's happened, that's there. It's good to have all this information, but that is a lot to take in when you're newly diagnosed. It's probably not what you're thinking
3: about. No, and I think, there is this perception that, you know, it's fine that everybody knows because, you know, it's HIV and it's not safe. And, and it's we're kind of trying to get away from that, aren't we? To say, no, you don't have to. You have to well, we have more than two camps, but we definitely have some people who, who think everybody needs to know because, you know, everyone on authority should be told. And then we've got other people who are like, nobody needs to know and some in between. But I think as I always say to people, think about it in terms of if it was another condition. If it was diabetes, would you think, oh, that person definitely needs to know what's, what I've got? Probably not. don't know what it is about HIV. Maybe it's no guilt or I don't know. It's very bizarre. I also find it very frustrating
2: when, when we're dealing with issues around employment and HIV confidentiality breaches. I also don't like the way that it's spun in terms of we're trying to look after you. Like you were saying with the service you went with, the management told all of the managers, because what if I wasn't there? And it's like, well, shouldn't you have regular health and safety practices that would cover any bloodborne virus, right? Without someone disclosing. It's not for everyone's safety. You're just using that as a method of justification of why you've done this.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think companies do panic, don't they? And their HIV policies aren't up to date or they don't have them. So they just don't know what to do with that piece of information. So the first thought is, oh God, I better tell everybody, say so that we, you know we can kind of protect our staff. It's just stupid.
2: And the worst thing is, they're not massively interested companies in updating their HIV policies. That company, we said we are happy to sit down with you and update your policies. They weren't interested. We've contacted numerous companies, big and small, to say for free if you want to chat with us, if you want us to help you update your HIV policies so that you can. Look after any positive people you may have here. Yeah, nothing. They're
3: not interested, are they? No, not at all. Which is awful, really. Yeah. Right. Okay. If if your HIV status is breached by another organisation, so it's not your work, it's just another organisation, you haven't given them them consent, even if they just breach your details and don't disclose your HIV status, then you um, can obviously complain to the organisation so they can address your concerns. And if they don't give you a satisfactory answer, then you can raise it with the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office. So by another organisation, you mean
2: anyone else that you're not employed by. So it could be your GP, could be a charity, could be a community group, could be a, a, I don't know, a massage person that you've told you're positive. Could be anyone, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. a professional body. Yes. Okay,
3: I'm with you. Yeah, so if you find out then that they have then shared your HIV status with I don't know another organisation, for example, or even if they um, are just contacting you and you you know you always have to tick those things, don't you? To say yes, I don't mind being contacted. Send me all your marketing emails. It's fine. Yeah, yeah organisations they have to be really careful these days. It's just not okay to bombard people with information, and and this would fall under that as well. Well, I think also what we've come up against
2: as well as a charity, especially over COVID, was many organisations panicking and where they've been helping, trying to take a ton of information as well. And it was quite concerning for us. What what other organisations under the guise of sort of COVID help? What are you doing with this information?
3: Yeah. Anyway, there are some organisations and we've both come across them where uh, you're perhaps trying to make a referral for a service user and you're asked for a whole tonne of information. And we're always really cautious, aren't we? Because it's HIV and because it's fairly obvious by the fact we're referring them that they've got HIV. We don't want to give them lots of details. All organisations have a duty to ensure they just don't collate data just because they can. Exactly. And it is difficult. And I mean, in terms of confidentiality, sometimes we
2: have to be the people sort of gatekeeping that confidentiality for our service users. We might have someone come in and say, right, can you help me? I need to speak to housing about this issue. And then we have to be the ones saying, if we speak to them, they will know where we're from. People aren't stupid. So we don't have to literally say this person is positive for them to Google who we are and make their own assumptions. And then sometimes when someone's coming in for that support, they haven't quite realized that that is how it could unfold. That's where this could go. So without meaning to, their status would be disclosed. And then they have to say, right, no, actually, will you help me write a letter to them or an email? And we'll do it in that way rather than us getting in touch. So I think it's, yeah,
3: it's just being really mindful all the time, isn't it, about that confidentiality element? Absolutely. But then we've been asked, you know, if when we've been awarded funding, you have to provide stats, you know, what did you spend the money on? And some of the things that we're asked to record are just ridiculous. Yeah, you know, They want to know it everything about the people that you're supporting and you're that some of it you just think is what are you gonna what are you gonna do with it all? No well some we've That's actually
2: crazy.
3: fought over haven't we? I remember
2: when we've been asked for full like postcodes before mm. and we've said absolutely not <laughs> absolutely not nobody needs that. You know we can give you an area mm-hmm. but I, you don't need a postcode.
3: No. Back to oh, that. That's a little a rant, rant, really <laughs> yeah wasn't it just so courts can uphold a data breach complaints. So the Equality Act and the Data Protection Act are enforceable by the courts. They can fine companies if they breach. Good. That is worth remembering. Now, we said earlier, we talked about if a friend breached your confidentiality and we said legally, there's not a lot you can do about that. I mean, block them most definitely. I think speak to your local HIV charity for advice and support, or again, THT have got a helpline that you can speak to, and you can report it to the police if it becomes malicious or it's classed as harassment. What we should also point out what people should do if it goes further than just the one breach. So basically, if you're being harassed about your status, a extremely stressful. And B, you can do something about that. You don't have to just put up with this. So if someone knows about your status at work or or in any setting, and they just won't let it drop, then that's very different to someone just telling someone else your status when you said, actually, I'd rather you kept this a secret. So if you find their behavior offensive, intimidating, or humiliating, that is considered to be harassment. And if the harassment is connected with your HIV status, it's a form of discrimination under the Equality Act. It doesn't have to be intentional. So if somebody goes, oh, I didn't realise that was upsetting them, me constantly mocking them for having HIV. That's not a defence. And it could include things like receiving unwanted um, phone calls, letters, emails, visits, abuse and bullying online, stalking, verbal abuse, threats, smashing windows or Jessica using dogs to frighten people. That makes me so sad for the dogs. Oh, what if you were using your dogs to frighten? Your dogs wouldn't frighten anybody. Well, I don't know. Jimbo's a bit of a rat bag.
2: <laughs> but he's so little. He's got little stumpy legs. Yeah, he is. He is, bless him, but he's, you know, a bit reactive. So
3: so if any of those things are happening to you, you ha- this is where you have to get the police involved because nobody should be made to feel this way because of their HIV status. And as we said at the beginning of the podcast, if you're being exploited blackmailed or threatened because of your status. You need to tell the police. If you live in Berkshire, it's happening to you, get in contact with, with us if you're worried about how the police might react. Um elsewhere in the country, again, THT or your local HIV charity, they can advise you, but nobody should be fearful because of their status. Oh well said, Sarah. You're welcome. Now we should stress as we did with our crime series that blackmail and HIV, it's rare you know, nobody, there's not lots of people out there going around disclosing everyone's status, mainly because most people don't tell anyone their status. So it is rare when it happens. But next week, we are going to look at, I would say, probably the most famous case of blackmail in relation to HIV in the UK. Ooh, so we're not going to look at the bodyguard blackmail white hair man. Was that connected to HIV?
2: Yeah. No, Did Whitney right.
3: Houston have HIV? This is how rumours start. This is exactly how
2: rumours start, Sarah. This is how you're going to get done under the Equalities Act. Harassment. <laughs> no. um, okay, okay, I'm excited. I think I know who it might be, but I'm not going to actually ask you. I'm just going to wait and see, because who I think is famous might not be who you think is famous. Oh, I think that's a given. Using <laughs> um, episode, I tell you every week, I'm like your little fan club. I, when I had to re-listen to everything, I'm forever like, oh, my God, amazing. I loved it. So well done. But I mean it. Honestly, really good and full of so much useful information.
3: Excellent. Good, good, good. So we are, we are done. Oh, I heard a little funny noise then. Do you hear that? Oh, that noise?
2: wasn't me. No, no, that wasn't me. Um, have you been enjoying my giant water bottle throughout this episode? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just showing, Sarah, I bought one of those... Um, uh, it is like BPA, all of that free. Um, one of those enormous, like a two-gallon water bottle. Like I was saying, I have all these high hopes in the new year or on a Monday.
3: Hold it up; oh, it's bigger than your head. It's huge. Is that helpful? Oh,
2: hand I hand.
3: don't believe that's water. It's a weird cut. That's urine, Jessica. <laughs> Just because you can't be bothered to go to your toilet. That's oh, not oh. bad of a bad idea, is it? <laughs> Do you mean it's not a bad idea? sorry I should have put that in some
2: context like do I always get stuck like in the car or something needing a wee I could carry one of these around wee in it and it'd be perfect no one would ever know (laughs) how discreet (laughs) on this road at the end of this episode It's the new year we've gone mad today it's been hard to get our words out but we got there oh it was hard work today wasn't it yeah but we said in the end of year special, because I just listened to it, we literally said you have to work for this.
3: You have to work for the education. So, you know, we're keeping true to form. We had to work hard today, didn't we, just to get through this. you got another 51 weeks to go. So it never ends. It's like a never ending cycle. Oh, my. Oh, so this is it forever. Yeah, this is our life. Oh, God. Welcome to Purgatory. Thanks for listening to The HIV Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can now also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at
2: The HIV Podcast for behind-the-scenes insights and videos.